Welcome back to another episode of Blind Love Radio. I'm really excited for today's guest. We have Hope. She is a wedding officiant and premarital counselor, as well as yoga guide, instructor, teacher. I I love how she has the saying, Zen bride. Um, and I think that's the vibes that she's trying to cultivate, just very calm and loving, loved her. Oh my God. Loved everything about her. Um, her Instagram handle and business name is perfect union NY. So New York, she is up in New York. We love New York down here in DC. Um, I feel like it's our cool, fashionable sister. Yeah, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about communication, what receiving couples counseling is like with a premarital counselor, um, what that process is like, what people go to counseling for. Um, I never did it with Bobby, my husband, and I think it's awesome, though. Like, I love therapy. Um, I feel like never bad idea to go and talk about how you're feeling. And I think there's always room to grow within yourself and your relationship. So I think this is so great. I think it's a great option for couples who are about to, um, get married or even if you're already married she talked about working with some couples who are already married in this episode we chat about how I do most of the cooking in our marriage and I want to recommend this cookbook to anybody who likes to cook for their partner or with their partner it's called the healthier together cookbook it's by liz moody and she also has a podcast by the same name and i just think she is fantastic the recipes are amazing i think they're a little bit like on the healthier side with having a lot of like gluten-free and dairy-free options and if you're plant-based I think it's a great option for that too um it's been you know you kind of get into a rut with your recipes especially when you have dietary restrictions so I think it's really just opened me up to making all these other fun dishes which I think can make 
um, a little bit more magic within your mundane day-to-day rituals like cooking. So highly recommend that book, Little Side Tangent. Also, just want to give my husband a shout out. Tomorrow is our five-year anniversary. We got married five years ago. It was so cute, little courtyard ceremony. Low-key, very nice, very whimsical, full of love. And yeah, I'm just still so happy that we're together and that we love each other. And I can't get enough of Babaruni. He is the bomb. Um, Yeah, two peas in a pod. So I hope that we can continue to grow together and I hope we have many more years to come. So without further ado, definitely check out Hope, follow her on Instagram. And if you're in New York, definitely check her out. If you're a couple getting married and need an officiant or you're thinking that couples counseling could be good for you, highly, highly, highly recommend her. So I hope you guys like this episode and I will catch you on the other side. Okay, so we are here with Hope, and Hope, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, uh, I'm Hope Merlis. I am a wedding officiant, a premarital counselor, and I do a yoga practice for weddings. Um, all of that is in a container of my business called A More Perfect Union, which I think really combines those three aspects together really well. I'm based out of New York City, but I work with couples uh, all over the country as well as all over the world. Nice. And uh, we were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording about when couples usually come to you and what their timeline looks like. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Most couples come to me, well, it really kind of depends. Um, some couples come to me about uh, a year out, um, and I, uh, and then some couples, uh, you know, realize that they need something like premarital counseling uh, very close to their wedding. Whether that means that uh, you know a disagreement or uh, or something may have happened in the relationship to say, oh gosh, maybe we should pause for a moment and and have uh, and get some assistance. So. You know, as I spoke with you earlier, you know, there was a couple that reached out to me uh, that's getting married in five weeks. And usually if couples come to me you know, within that time frame, usually three to five weeks out before their wedding, I say, you know what, let's get started. But then let's pause right before your wedding, just so you can focus on that day and all of the amazing logistics that you've created. And then you know, once you come back from a honeymoon or once you feel like you're settled in the relationship and in the marriage, you can come back and we'll pick up where we left off. But if I had my way in an ideal world, I would love for couples to reach out as soon as they get engaged. So at least we can have a a game plan. Nice. 
So what are some topics that frequently come up in sessions? So I have what I like to call the big issues. So those are things that, you know, either from the, you know, the scary divorce side of these are things that tend to trip couples up or causes for divorce. Um, there are some topics that we can traditionally cover. Um, it is a scare tactic. I'm not going to lie. However, if it's too scary or if people, especially in that, you know, pre-wedded bliss time, get scared by that big D word, that divorce word, usually I say, hey, there's a number of topics that we can talk about so you can strengthen your relationship. Um, you're in this world. What do you think some of those are? I think communication is really big, but I'm working on it. And I, I feel like I haven't even really got that down in my own relationship. Um, awesome. That's one. What else? Um, I definitely think sacrifice is big. Like knowing, not putting my own happiness above his and vice versa. I think doing that for one another. Um, Ooh, that's kind of great. I would throw that into roles in the marriage or roles in the relationship. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think really knowing what their key things are that make them happy. Um, like my husband loves when I make dinner at night. So mm -hmm. no matter what, I know I just got to make dinner. Like there was a while where I feel like I fought it because it was like, it wasn't something I like love to do, especially if it's like you've had a long day, blah, blah, blah. But just knowing that makes him so happy. He does yes. so many other things for me. Like I can work it into my day. I can make it my own. Like I'll now I'll listen to a good podcast. I'll make it like a fun little ritual. Um, yes. Yeah. Good for you. Good. What else? What else? Um, I think compromise is big. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually I find compromise within that roles and in communication. And it may also fall in uh, under the big issue topic of decision making. Ooh, decision making is very difficult. Yeah. Well, it can be. Yes. Yeah. Are what you, else? Do you make decisions easily? Um, it kind of depends on what they are. You know, it, it, it really depends on what's important to you and what you feel may be important to your partner yeah. to say, okay, uh -huh. you know, you know, where, you know, where do I have, um, you know, if this is a, a, a really important thing for me, I want to make sure that my partner knows that. So, you know, so those decisions can be made easier. Um, I have had a number of couples recently where, you know, one of one of the pair is kind of indifferent to say, you know what, you always make the decisions and I like that. And can you just keep making those? Um, so sometimes it's kind of easy where it's a little, you know, one sided. But sometimes the person that has to make the decision uh, feels like there's a lot of expectation on them. There's a lot of responsibility on them and they would love to make sure it's more equal, more balanced. That's so interesting. I've been thinking a lot about balance in a relationship and how that always looks different for different couples. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What it can look different on the day. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
So how do you think, what are some tips to finding balance or what do you think that means in a relationship? Well, in terms of like looking at these big issue topics, I mean, it's looking at, you know, the roles in the relationship and then how decisions are made are, are kind of like that overlapping. So, of course, you know, if a couple is looking for balance, I would say, you know what, it's probably these two topics that we'll need to cover first. When I look at roles in the marriage or roles in the relationship, it's making sure that the couple knows what their gifts are. Where are your strengths? What are your skills? What do you bring to the table? Because there may be something that you're really good at that it's just super easy for you to do it. So you would take the reins on, you know, a certain thing. You know, especially, you know, if your husband wants to make sure that you're doing the cooking, you're probably better at it than it's he is. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, for you, it's not, you know, it's not as challenging. Right. So, you know, so that's, so that's you know, that balance. There may be things that he's really good at that it's just easy for him to do. But it's figuring out like, hey, what's my genius? What are my skills? What are my strengths? And then what of those do I want to do? Because there may be things that you're really good at. I mean, the problem here would be for you is, you know, if you're really good at, you know, at cooking, but you just don't want to do it. And then, you know, it's figuring out in your relationship, in your marriage, you know, how do you overcome that? Like you either need to suck it up or do you need to find a, a, a way to negotiate you know, what that looks like. Hmm. That's so interesting. I like like the idea of opening up different ways to deal with problems that come up because we all have problems and we all fight and we all, I feel like we're always learning different things about our partner. Um, yeah. If we're paying attention, if we're listening, if we're, yeah, if we're listening, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a mirror every day, right? <laughs> I hate to tell you it's not going to get any easier or different. Um, so what do you think about like intimacy in a relationship and not even just like physically, but being like with honesty and I feel like communication can be very intimate and talking about things, um, that might be more Absolutely. difficult or I don't know. How do you guide people to like navigate those discussions? So the first thing that I cover in premarital counseling is communication. I want to make sure that a couple is able to understand what their needs are as well as clearly express them and then make sure that their future spouse or their partner can hear that really listens to what those things are. So there's a, a few techniques that I like to use to make sure that communication is as open as it can be. Because if, a, if communication in a relationship is not open, couples can't really talk about any of the other big issues that I like to cover. So that's always first and foremost. Um, usually we get into the intimacy conversation uh, you know, in session three or four of five, I usually do between five and seven sessions with my couples. 
And I really love that you spoke about intimacy from an emotional standpoint, uh, as well as from a physical standpoint. Because I like to say with my couples, you know, unless you feel that there is an emotional connection between the two of you, you're not going to want to get naked with them. Mm -hmm. So how do you make sure to do both? How do you make sure to, to be as, you know, as close as you can or find that connection, find that interest? And yeah, sometimes that is with deep conversations. Sometimes that's just being able to spend time with each other in, in, a, in a really quality-oriented way to be able to build that connection. Do you suggest different activities to like build that up or do you think like if somebody was having trouble getting the dialogue going like maybe they're really shy is there something you would like suggest? It's finding what their interests are and then potentially you know having deeper conversations around those issues. Uh, So you know, sometimes, you know, if it's a harder, if, if there is a harder conversation or you're not able to find that connection, you know, it's taking the time to figure out and be curious about the interests of the other. Sometimes I have couples create their own book club. So it's just a book club for the two of them. Figure oh, out what your so interest is. I know. I love it, too. And I have to say that it didn't come from me first. It was actually a, one of my couples was, you know, was interested in uh, in finances, which is another big issue topic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really wanted to increase their knowledge of, of finances. So they decided to read some books together and then discuss those you know, in the evenings or on the weekends or when they had time. So it kind of was an aha moment for me to say, huh, what are some other topics which may be interesting for couples that they may want to either read together or read separately and then come together and discuss discuss them? I think so many times we like blow things up in our head so much that then it becomes like insurmountable instead of just like picking a fun activity and build. Do you feel okay? I think this is where I'm going with this. Do you feel like you build emotional intimacy and that it can grow or do you feel like you connect and there's chemistry and it's just there? Or do you feel like I it's totally some- think it. Yeah, I totally think it can grow. I really think it's like a ga- uh, like a glacier. There's only mm. so much that we share. I know mm. um, <laughs> that there's only so much that we share. You know, we're very guarded as individuals. So mm-hmm. even as we start dating people, we only show them a little bit. Usually, it's the pretty stuff because right. we're we're looking to put our best foot forward. We're not showing them the kind of weird, ugly stuff quite yet. I feel so like things we, get so interesting when you start seeing the ugly stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's also when you know it's your person to go, okay, that weirdness matches with my weirdness. I'm in. Totally. But we grow as individuals and we'll keep growing throughout our lifetime. So we'll always have to learn more about our partners 
I mean, as well as our friends and our family members. I mean, even like me growing up and, and having a different relationship even with my parents now, I continue to learn more about them because there are only is certain things that they showed me as a parent growing up and how much more I can learn about them now. It's the same thing in our romantic relationship. But there are some things that, you know, we may not share right away until we feel really open and we feel really comfortable. And also thinking about like how we change and evolve as we step into different roles, thinking about mm. like how your parents, they might share with you some stuff when you're at a certain age, but then as you get older, they might di- divulge more because you're seeing things that maybe you didn't when you were younger, but maybe like, you know, you become a a partner and then a spouse and then maybe a parent. Um, How do you think that affects the relationship and how, what are maybe some problems that people come across and how can they figure them out? That was so unpoetic, but yeah, (laughs) you get the idea. (laughs) I do. I do. Uh, I mean, our roles constantly shift and change. So, you know, sometimes we we think about something or we compartmentalize something, you know, based on one of the roles that we're in. And sometimes it's more helpful to go, okay, no, 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 right now I'm just a woman. Or, no, 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 right now I'm I'm a wife. Or right now I'm I'm a mother. And that may change your belief in the moment. That may change how you make decisions in a moment, in the moment. So problems certainly can, you know, can rear their heads, you know, if, you know, if you can't put things into perspective or you're so rigid in your perspective and can't either look at how someone else may see a certain, a certain experience or a certain position based on the role that they may be in. So there's a lot of fluidity that, that, that may come into play. How do you think the best way to like give your partner feedback about like, let's say you were great, like the first year of your relationship in these roles and then things have changed and maybe you want to talk about it. Um, Do you think there's like a good way to like bring that up and just like a template for having that conversation? So I like to use a communication tool called NVC or nonviolent communication. And usually the V scares people. So people don't like to think about violence in terms of communication. Um, But sometimes we, you know, we are a little violent or blaming in the way that we communicate with the people that we love. So the way that this tool works is that it really tries to take the blame out of any conversation or any finger pointing. It also tries to remove any of the emotion in, in, in terms of the, either the disagreement or the conversation. So it's a four-step process. The first step is just explaining your experience, what you witnessed, what you experienced what you observe. So it comes from a personal place. 
but also a factual place. So if you're not speaking factual, your partner can say, mm, you know what, try again. And sometimes when I'm guiding this, I, I have couples pause and say, hold on for a second. Can I ask your partner if that's actually true? And can we take any judgment out of this? So especially, you know, if you've noticed something, then you can say, hey, honey, this is what, I, this is what I've noticed lately. This is what I've experienced lately. And then the second step, of, uh, second step of that process is to share how that experience made you feel. So looking at a pure feeling. So, you know, if something has come up, usually, you know, my guess is where, you know, you are going here is that it may be on the negative side. So, you know, say that that brings up, um, you know, either anger or frustration or something along those lines. So sharing how it made you feel, whatever was witnessed. The third step is either a need or a value that either supports or does not support whatever that feeling is. So this is the why side. So it's why does it bother you so much or, you know, you know, why are you so angry? Why are you so frustrated? What are you not getting? And, you know, this could certainly be anything. So those first three steps are personal. This is what I experienced. This is how I feel. This is what I need. And then the fourth step is actually the request of the other. So knowing these things, would you be willing to do whatever the request is? Does that make sense? Yes. And it all seems so logical. Totally. Totally. And it's not so easy, especially, you know, if there's a lot of emotion, you know, if there's anger, anger flying around. Um, it's challenging to go through this. So it is. A, you know, and then especially, you know, thinking about what you need in the moment, your immediate or for the most part, you know, what I hear from most of my couples is that that immediate need is for the other to do something without considering, huh, what do I need? What do I need that I'm not getting? Like, why is this so important to me? And sometimes for, for, the, for the partner, it's... Um, you know, they didn't even realize, oh, I didn't even know I was doing that. Or I didn't know that bothered you so much. And then that's where the conversation gets juicy. Because, you know, to either say, oh, gosh, you know, you made a, you made a simple request of me. Sure, I didn't even know that was a problem. I'm, I'm happy to do that. But the way that you ask the request uh, will elicit a yes or no answer. So the way that the request is offered is, you know, knowing these things, would you be willing to do this? Or can I ask this of you? Because you may get a no. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, that's a great request from you. However, I'm going to tell you right now, I could never do that. But again, that's where the juicy conversation starts. It's like, but okay, now that I know how you're feeling and what you need, can we come up with something else? that may satisfy those things. I also feel like sometimes just talking about it and talking about your feelings and letting them know, like you feel so seen that it almost like absolves itself. Even if it's, there's no action taken on it. Um, just having like being seen in a relationship just feels so fulfilling. Absolutely. But I do have to say that action item is a very powerful thing to yeah. be able to ask 
or to be able to discuss. That's because true. sometimes that's very vulnerable. It is very vulnerable, but it's also, you know, especially for the person that is, is, is experiencing something that they don't like. Yeah. It's really putting the onus on them to say, okay, what do I want different? What can I ask for? Because sometimes it's putting those things out there, you know, hey, honey, I noticed this. I don't like it. And then really just then throwing it into, into, your, into your spouse's camp for them to figure out how to change it. Sometimes that's not fair. It's You're not so fair to right. Do that. That's being like so responsible for your emotions. That's so mature. Yes, and yes, and yes. I know. So that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm calling you out a little bit. No, it's on, so true. The, I, I get so nervous. You get so nervous. I mean, I you get so nervous. I get so nervous. Like personally, just asking for what I need in a relationship because you feel like you're or I feel like I am you like putting him out like you need a change because I feel like I don't know I get like weird and icky about it yeah but it's not about that it's you know there may be things that we don't even realize it's also I hate to tell you your husband is not a mind reader it's sometimes you have to tell him what's going on (laughs) I know and you know I'm like this is like hashtag sorry not sorry you got you got to be honest you yeah. got to be honest and you know and it's so much it's sometimes just so much easier for you to be able to share that yes we love the magic in a relationship we love when people just you know you know think of things and surprise us with things <laughs> but so you know more often than not we're we're disappointed yeah asking for what you need in a relationship Yep. Can you say that from a personal place? Yeah, that's big. No, no, no. I'm asking you to actually say that. Oh, ask what I need. Like, this is what I need. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even just as that little affirmation of, I will ask for what I need. I will ask for what I need. Yeah, that's big. Wow. I know. Yes. Yeah. Wow. You really like get down to the root of things. Do you feel like there's like core issues with people? Like maybe like these three things show up again and again in relationships, but they're all stemming from like the same thing, like the same three buckets? No, not. No, it's really, you know, that that full that full uh, big issues list. Right. So it's, you know, so I because I, you really can't generalize. Right. I mean, I used to, I, I, I always start my sessions out with communication and then I used to go directly into finances, but you know, I find that every couple is different and comes with a, a different priority list. So, you know, that's where I would need to ask, Hey, what's going on? What are uh, of the issues that we could discuss? Which ones either get you really excited or which one, when you look at kind of like puts a little, you know, pit in your stomach and you get really, you know, nervous or worried about talking about. And then let's talk about those first. Ooh, I can see why you take a break right before the wedding. Well, especially with those couples that are coming to me right before their wedding. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just starting to work with uh, a couple that's getting married in October. 
So it's like, no, let's start now. Let's get, let's do, you know, the full premarital counseling program. And then once we're complete, yeah, we'll switch into the wedding and we'll look at what your ceremony could look like. So do you think with COVID, like certain topics have gotten brought up more often or there's certain issues that are coming up for couples? Communication is still quite huge um, early on in the pandemic. And then again, more recently, um, the idea around boundaries has also come up quite a lot. Um, Early on, it was about the fact that, hey, we're working home, you know, working from home together. You know, how do we share our space in a way that makes the most sense for us? You know, how are we able to have our own time as well as shut down our our work so we actually can have quality couple time together. So that came up really early during the pandemic. Um, you know, now you know, it's more around uh well, yeah, actually, now, even now, it's, it's, it's very much around the idea of letting work go because we get very used to, if we're working from home, that we don't know how to shut down, that we've gotten very um, uh, comfortable, you know, being able to work at all hours of the day, and we feel like we need to be accessible to work at all hours of the day because we don't necessarily leave work and come home if we're working from home. Do you have any tips for couples that are navigating that? Um, yeah, I have a ton. Actually, I wrote like two blog posts about it Ooh. early. <laughs> early, So sometimes I'm like, yeah, just, you want the link? I'll just send you the link. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, navigating the boundaries of space, it's looking at the spaces that you have uh, available to deal with. I mean, I live in New York City. We have, uh, you know, our, our housing is on the smaller side. So we may not have a home office space. Um, you know, we may have a small table that we could eat at. But, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of my couples, you know, don't have room for a dining table or a kitchen table and they eat on the couch. So, you know, what areas or what zones, I think I was calling that, calling it that for a while, you know, what zones do you have available in your home that you could work from? And then can you claim one of those as your own? So you know that this space is, is, is yours. And then maybe it's interchangeable with your couple, with your partner, especially if you're not working at the same time, that you can each use that space at different times of the day. Or, you know, you know you work from the bedroom you know, and your partner works from the living room or, you know, or, you know, whatever that, whatever zones you have available. And just making sure that those are clearly defined so you feel like you have a space. Um, and, and then also making sure how that transition, that space transitions back into what it's originally supposed to be. So, you know, if you're working from the kitchen, you know, if you have a kitchen counter or a kitchen table, that, that, it's still got to, it's still got to be the kitchen table when you're done with work. So, what are some things that you need to do when you finish work to be able to put things away so it can actually be used for its original purpose as a kitchen table or a kitchen counter? So that's in terms of space. 
The other boundary. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, honey. No, I was just going to say, I love that. You New Yorkers are so creative. Oh, we have to be. It's like, we don't have enough. We don't have enough room. It's like, you know, we think vertically. um, But, you know, we also have to be really creative with what we've got. I mean, thankfully, you know, I have had couples that have had um, some small outdoor space. You know, they have like a little balcony that they have a table on. So they were at least able to use, you know, those during the warmer months. Uh, But then they had to be creative about, okay, how do we share the same space when it's cold and we don't have that zone any longer? I love that. And then the other Mm -hmm. bit of of boundary is in terms of the time that you would spend together. When do you actually shut down business? You know, there are certain, there are, you know, couples that I work with that are expected. And even when the world was reopened and they worked from their offices, that they were expected to work until, you know, eight, nine o'clock, or they were expected to be available until 10 o'clock at night. So it's really looking at what's what's expected of you and then when you need to be able to carve out that time with your partner. So more recently, I had a couple that, you know, was really struggling with the transition between ending work from home and then finding that time for to be a couple in the evening. So it's looking at what time, you know, is, is, you, you know, what that cutoff time could be. So it's, you know, negotiating potentially with your employer to say, you know, what, what would be okay? You know, can I end work at seven? Can I end work at six and make sure that everybody at work knows that my boss and my coworkers know that, you know, I'm not available after that time. And then what do I personally need to do to be able to release work whether it be, you know, turning some music on, making sure that you put your, all, of your, all, all of your work away, if you feel comfortable leaving your apartment and going for a walk or for a run to be able to release whatever that work day is, and then to be able to step into your evening or your afternoon, you know, with your partner. And then what does that look like? What does that couple time need to look like? I love that. I love carving out bits of time, even when like making it a routine too. So it doesn't feel like we have to go on this grand date night. It can just be like a walk. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's really looking at the time you have. Certainly mm-hmm. we would like a lot of time for fun with, with our partners or even with our friends or our family members, but we may not have it. But, you know, potentially. You know, if schedules, you know, don't match up in the evening, do they match up in the morning? So can you wake up and maybe work out together? Or can you always share a breakfast instead of sharing dinner together? Mm-hmm. But at least you have that time and making sure that it's, it's really intentional time, no matter how much time you actually have. I feel like also putting away your phone while you're with them is big. Like, cause yes. I, the phone is just such a distraction. Yeah. It yeah. Can, can so in, in those instances, usually I say, you know, hey, is there a good time that feels good for you to be able to you put them away? And then maybe a good time to be able to pick them up in the, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that you guys have that time together. 
Um, I remember I had a couple a few years ago that was struggling here and they, you know, I said, would you feel comfortable, you know, putting your phones away at nine o'clock? And they all, they both started like shaking. They were like, <laughs> oh, wait, what? And I'm like, okay, okay, too, too much, too much. Have at 10 o'clock. And they felt more comfortable at 10 o'clock, but still it wasn't quite right. So I said, how about 11? And they both kind of looked at each other and smiled. And I said, great. I think we found our time. <laughs> so That's just, so you know, funny. can can you both agree that, you know, you'll set an alarm at like 10.30 or 10.45 so you know you have a half hour or 15 minutes to finish up whatever you're working on or whatever you're playing with or wherever you're scrolling so you know that you'll shut down by 11 p.m. Hmm. That's so smart. Yeah. Totally. And it's totally easy to do. And yeah, it, and it may shift week to week. I mean, if you have a big work project or you're going out of town or, you know, you have other things going on, you may not be able to do it. But as long as the two of you communicate with each other and say, oh, guess what? We're going to have to pause that 11 o'clock turnoff this week because of X, Y, Z. At least the two of you know. And then you could also then choose the, you know, the date and time to be able to bring it back in just to make sure that you have that boundary. Do you find a lot of couples live together before they get married now? Or yes. st- or some still just like just moving in when they get married? For the most part, couples are living together uh, before marriage. They feel like it's like a trial period to make sure that it, this is going to work. Um, I did have one couple last year that decided not to. So they said, no, we're going to, we'll move in together when we get married. That but it was so difficult to do it all. It just seems like a lot of pressure to get married and then move in. Yeah. But I mean, again, you know, if you look at, you know, our past history, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of, that's what was, that's what was done. But mm-hmm. also it was more traditional to get married a lot earlier right. than couples are now anyway. So it made sense for you to move from your parents' home into your married home. Um, now there's a little bit more time in between those. So, um, so yeah, I do see couples living together before marriage for the most part. Do you think, like, when a couple is coming together, no matter when they are, like, no matter if marriage is involved yet or not, um, just the merging of cultures between people and traditions like do you have any advice about navigating and kind of creating one cohesive life together so that's where I would normally have the conversation around beliefs and values uh, as well as family relationships so it's figuring out you know the, the sharing of hey where did I come from what's important to me And what do I want to take from that and bring into our relationship, our family or the family that we're creating together? Um, So it it really depends on what matters to you to know, you know, how how that may uh, affect the relationship. Because it may be, I mean, I have a lot of couples right now that just don't have a a religious belief or um, they, you know, they're they were raised in a certain way, but maybe they don't go to church or synagogue or temple. Um, 
So a lot of these things may not be a concern. But, you know, on other cases, you know, there may be very differing beliefs based on how, uh, you know, how each of the couple was raised, that it, it may really, you know, change their idea about what's expected in the relationship. It's really, you know, keeping that conversation open. So that's when I would normally talk about, uh, I don't normally talk a lot about past in, in the in premarital counseling, but I do go there in terms of family because I do find that um, family uh, and how you were raised in your childhood really affects your beliefs and values. And also I, I find it a lot in uh, discussion around finances as well. You know, what you were taught and what your, what are your beliefs around money as one of the, you know, two taboo sub subjects. Uh, just to make sure that, you know, there, if, if there needs to be negotiation or if there needs, you know, to be understanding uh, of how the other, you know, of how the other operates or whatever beliefs that they may have. And sometimes you don't realize what you bring into the relationship. Sometimes you don't realize that not everybody had or didn't have what you had or didn't have. Yeah. And I think you really end up learning a lot about them by doing that and it helps you yeah exactly what you said you learn why they're doing that how you can come together and create your own melding of a family I guess what do you think about like sharing holidays like do you have any advice for people like if people's families are far away, like navigating like who goes where, how to have that conversation or make those decisions. That's usually an intersection between family relationships and decision making. So it's figuring out what's important to you, you know, especially if one of the pair says, you know, I grew up with this particular Christmas tradition. Uh, I would really be upset if I did not have this every year. You know, the, the, you, you cross your fingers and hope that it's not as important, you know, with the other in the, in the relationship. Um, but I did recently have a, a couple that it was, you know, the way that they celebrated a certain holiday was very, very important to each of them. So they said, you know what, it's more important to me right now that we go and separate from each other and spend that particular holiday with the families that we were brought up in. And for the moment, that works for them. Of course, I had to mention, okay, if you're looking to have children together, you know, how does that affect things? Um, with this particular couple, they said, you know what, we'll cross the bridge when, when we come to it. But, you know, they, at least, for, at least in, the, in the short term, they made the best decision for them. But um, a lot of times in, around decision making, I like to uh, ask couples, you know, out of a scale of one to ten, how important is this for you? So, you know, if you want to spend, like, if your family Thanksgiving and, and if the way that they celebrate it and how important it is to celebrate with your family is at a 10 and the other in the relationship is like a three, then you know what? You may need to say, you know what? We'll, we'll go to, you know, if it's more important for you, I'm happy to make sure that we celebrate Thanksgiving with your family. However, there may be another holiday. It's really important to me. So can we make sure to do that? 
So again, there is balance and fairness. So you brought up finances. I want to talk about that. How do you think people can bring that up with their partner? And what are some good topics to cover when you're thinking about having a conversation and maybe some things to keep in mind? I mean, I'm not a, I'm really excited about open conversation. So, you know, there's never a a conversation that I would say don't have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you want to talk about finances with your partner, say, hey, you know what, we've never talked about this, or maybe we should talk about finances. Uh, I mean, I'm always happy to help guide a conversation, but, you know, a, a lot of my, especially my wedding couples that do not go through counseling with me, you know, they'll find, they'll find their own way. Um, the first question I usually ask around finances is around spending, because it's something that we know how to do now. It's, or it's not know how to do, it's something that we do now. Do we either spend or are we, you know, predominantly a saver? And does that match or is that very different or our spending habits or our saving habits very different than our partner? And sometimes that can cause, you know, a little bit of a rift or resentment. Uh, So, I mean, that's always kind of the the first place to go. Um, From there, usually I, we talk about, uh, you know, what expenses you may have and if you want to create a budget. And then moving on to uh, the idea of merging your money. You know, do you want to commingle your finances in some way? Some couples are like, absolutely, we're going to merge it all together. Um, some couples, you know, say, nope, I'm, we're very happy. We keep everything separate. I have my money. You know, they have their money. Um, but for the most part, you know, most of my couples do a little bit of both. They wind up, you know, uh, merging their money or having some type of joint accounts together. Um, Then usually we move on to philanthropy, liking to talk about giving back or the opportunity to give back or to volunteer. You know, if you have the money, what's important to you? Are there causes that you may want to support? And sometimes couples are like, nope. And then we move on, zero judgment. If that's not your jam, you know, we don't talk about that. However, it usually brings up a, a lovely conversation about what's important, you know, to each of the pair in a relationship and then how they may want to give back either with their time or their money. Um, and then just lastly, around the idea of finances, um, looking at uh, important documents or passwords that you may need to share with each other just in case of an emergency. You know, if you are truly each other's person, do you want to be beneficiaries on each other's accounts? If for some reason one of you cannot access your account due to an emergency, do you want your partner to be that person uh, that would be able to have access to bank accounts or uh, insurance or benefits or anything on, on, on that side? Why is there, why do you think there's such a charge behind finances where like people get very uncomfortable or emotional? I think we're, we're taught, I think, you know, taught that money is taboo, that we don't talk about finances. 
Um, sometimes it's told to us that way, or sometimes the fact that nobody talks about money is just kind of a little trigger for ourselves to go, ooh, okay, nobody talks about this, so I guess we don't talk about this. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's usually not accepted to ask people what they make. You know, there are just things that you just don't talk about. Uh, like, I mean, I remember in school growing up that, you know, we, we learned a little bit about, you know, how money works and how to write a check out. I would, you know, I wouldn't think that that would happen in schools now. Uh, maybe showing my age a little bit, uh, you know, on that one. Um, but I just think that we just don't know, you know, unless we have, a, you know, a relative or, you know, you know, we ourselves are in the financial field. You know, we may not know how to talk about money. Do you have like three things that you would tell newlyweds, like top three tips maybe that can make a big difference? Well, I mean, in terms of newlyweds, uh, I mean, I'm hoping that I get them before they get married. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but uh, yes. Um, really, truly keep communication open, uh, you know, by sharing your needs and really, truly listening. Um, the other thing is um, continue to be curious about your partner. You know, notice the little shifts and changes you know, in, in who they are, where their interests are. Get, you know, curious and excited and supportive, um, about, about who they are. Um, and then thirdly is, you know, remember your role, you know, once you're already married, you know, you are, you know, probably, you know, uh, a, you know, a son or a daughter or brother or sister, you know, you are a man or a woman, or, you know, if you looking at those, or you're maybe non-binary, so you don't look at those, you know, uh, you know, those, those roles. Uh, but then you're also a husband or a wife or a spouse or whatever, you know, married role you are. Um, they're all individual and they're all important. So, you know, I never want anyone to forget about, you know, the, the massive range of roles that, you know, that you are, especially once you're married, don't forget that you're also, you know, your own individual as well as a friend. Like those are just as important to remember uh, that, you know, in addition to the fact that you're now newly married. Oh, those were so sweet. Yeah. I love that. Um, What do you think some great things are for people to be able to keep like freedom within a relationship? Like maybe what does that mean and what could that look like? Like just riffing on the fact that you're talking about being your own person and still taking care of yourself. And I guess like how can we coexist while still remaining true to ourselves and taking care of ourselves? Um, That's actually the last big, big issue topic. Uh, which is uh, time together and social activities. So it's really looking at what your needs are there. You know, how much couple time do we need? How much alone time 
do I need? How much time with friends or with family members do I need? And making sure that that's balanced, you know, with your partner. You know, sometimes there are couples that, you know, one of the pair needs a lot more alone time than the other. But that doesn't mean that your partner doesn't like you or doesn't want to be with you. It just means that you need some time for you. So it's looking at what, you know, what time do you have available? What do you need? And then, you know, how can you potentially schedule that based on the time that you have together? Knowing things may shift from week to week, depending on how much time you have. And maybe sometimes you, you want, you need more or less time with your friends or your family or more or less alone time. But it's really just keeping that conversation open and honest, being able to share what you need so you can figure out, you know, what that is. You know, I remember I had a couple a few years ago that one really needed their alone time and the other didn't. But, you know, once he or she had that alone time, it's like, what can I do with it? Doesn't mean that you you need that for your own alone time. Maybe that's always a good time that you spend it with your friends. Nice. Um, being in New York, have weddings changed to being more outdoors with everything going on? Uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, once, uh, once the pandemic hit, yeah, pretty much everything shut down. Uh, I mean, there was so much unknown, even my counseling practice kind of stopped for a while just because nobody really knew what was going on. Nobody knew what was happening. And once things started to, you know, get more familiar, we kind of created this new normal. Things started to open back up again. Um, Thankfully, our mayor here, uh, our um, mayor and governor here in New York um, allowed for video weddings. So uh, we've been able to do those since May. Uh, so that's kind of exciting, but I, I have still kept up with small in-person weddings uh, outdoors. Uh, so yeah, that that shifted that shifted quite a lot. So uh, a lot of rooftop weddings, uh, a lot of uh, uh, hotel rooftops, uh, a lot of park uh, weddings, uh, even with Zoom components you know, or recording components just to make sure that anybody that wants to see can see, even if they can't be present in person. What advice would you give to anybody getting married that feels like it may not be perfect because of Corona or it might look different? Um, There's already like so much stress when you're having a wedding anyway, and then throwing in all of this additional stress. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? Well, it goes, it goes, uh, you know, back to, you know, one of the original, uh, encouragements or original, um, motivations for the actual wedding day pre-pandemic, which was no matter what happens on your wedding day, if you're married by the end of the day, it was a success. I find that even more now, just because, you know, I have so many couples that are, or postponing that have changed dates that have changed dates multiple times. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing that, you know, they kind of have to go with the flow or 
I have had a, a few couples just cancel and say, you know what, you know, we'll get legally married now. And then maybe when the world reopens, we'll have a big party and we'll celebrate later. Um, so yeah, you may not get what you originally planned. And I know it sucks, especially because there's so much time and planning and just kind of those big dreams, even like, I, I know that there's been, you know, quite a few couples have had, you know, plans and, you know, dreams of what things looked like when, um, you know, when they were little, they knew what their wedding was going to look like, and they can't have that now. Um, but most of the um, couples that I'm working with right now that are, uh, you know, are really coming, you know, from this, uh, you know, to this from a more flexible place to say, you know what, let's look at what the restrictions are. Let's look at what the guidelines are. And, um, and we're just going to follow those and have the best possible day that we can. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, some of the couples as well, you know, it's a good out to say, you know what, we didn't want that big of a party anyway. Or maybe there were some people that we wanted there or we didn't want there that now we can say, oh, well, guess what? We have to only go 50 percent because that's what we have here in New York um, for indoor. Uh, we have been able to open up uh, the middle of this month uh, at a 50 percent capacity. So, I mean, a couple just reached out to me two days ago and said, you know what, we're supposed to have 100 people. We can now only have 50. Um, so we're going to have to change our, you know, we're going to have to shift things a little bit. But you know what, we're still going to have a really great day. Um, so, yeah, I am speaking to a few couples that um, are looking just to get legally married now and figure out later what their, you know, what the celebration may look like, what their, you know, what a larger wedding could look like and that's usually when I say okay well what does this look like now if you're looking to just get legally married now what does that look like I mean because I'm an officiant so it's like what does that ceremony look like and then you know when you think of it in a larger setting with more people there what does that ceremony look like or what does that celebration look like and we can keep them separate and do something just for now and we can do something just for later I love smaller weddings. Oh, I do too. I mean, I love the big ones too. There's something about the the energy around 500 people in a room. Um, but it, it's really powerful to have the intimacy that we have now. Uh, to have, I mean, I've done you know a ton of uh, elopements over the last few months where it's just you know, between uh, two and 10 people in a backyard or on a rooftop with everybody else on Zoom or just a couple together and saying, you know what, we're just, we're happy and we're, we want to just celebrate the two of us right now. And then when it's safe to do so, we'll celebrate with everybody else. Oh, that's so special. Mm-hmm. So where can everybody find you? Um, I have a website. It's uh, moreperfectunionny.com. Um, I'm also on all of the social media platforms, uh, and my handle is perfectunionny. Uh, see a theme there. <laughs> um, uh, I just joined TikTok. I don't know how it quite works yet, so give me a second on TikTok. Um, but uh, you can certainly find me on. Uh, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, 
Twitter, LinkedIn. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on and answering all of my questions. Absolutely. And I'm not going anywhere. So if there's any questions, do not hesitate to reach out and let me know. If you love me, won't you say something? Thank you so much to everyone who listened to the episode today. I am your host, Anna Fazio Rosen. So happy to be here. So happy to get this season rolling. Thank you so much, Hope, to lending us your expertise and taking the time to chat with us. I am so obsessed with you and the service that you're providing. I think it is amazing. Everybody go check her out. A more perfect union, New York, obsessed. And I hope you got a little nugget of wisdom out of today's episode. I hope you loved it and I hope you have a great week. It's May couldn't be more beautiful outside go enjoy it enjoy yourselves and i'll see you next time bye shout out to our song today daniel caesar best part if you love me won't you, if you love me, won't you?